Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. From the Times of London, this is The World in 10. Every day, the biggest global stories told in 10 minutes. I'm Stuart Willey. And I'm Rebecca Myers. Today, some remarkable objects are up for auction. There is anger in Taiwan as Elon Musk makes controversial comments. And might we have cannabis coffee shops in California? Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris is one of the city's most important sites. You might remember this beautiful medieval Gothic building famously went up in flames in 2019 in a structural fire that damaged most of the roof and even the spire. I have to say, I've never seen that building without scaffolding in my life. I actually visited it a couple of weeks and it's amazing because they're going through this massive renovation work and they've actually put up images and graphics and explanations all around this kind of scaffolding on the outside to explain how they're going to restore it. And it's quite something to behold. But while the restoration work goes on, the Times reporter in Paris, David Chazan, picks up the story about another issue they're having, this time with a theft that happened before the fire. Detectives are investigating allegations that two stained glass window pieces, which Sotheby's auctioned in 2015, were in fact stolen and should therefore be returned to the French state. And there's a heritage protection group, which is called Lumière sur le patrimoine, roughly translates as Spotlight on Heritage, and they filed a police complaint this week for theft and receiving stolen goods over the sale of these two 13th century medallions, which are sort of circular stained glass window pieces which depict angels. Now, The head of this heritage group says these two stained glass pieces were stolen after they were taken down when Notre Dame was renovated more than 160 years ago, a long time. They were never reinstalled and were instead replaced. Now, Sotheby's denies any wrongdoing, but the buyer's identities have not been made public, although there are unconfirmed suggestions in Paris that these pieces were bought by foreign buyers and may have been taken out of the country. Now, in a slightly unlikely segue, we move from one Sotheby's auction to another. And this next one will be held in November. It will feature around 120 works from the collection of Emily Fisher-Landau, who died earlier this year. 
the prize piece is a Picasso painting of his mistress called Ferma la Montre, which is thought to be worth around $120 million. Whoa, for 50 years, this amazing painting hung in the living room of the Fisher's house above their mantelpiece. But that's not even the most surprising thing about this story. We spoke to Will Pavia, the Times New York correspondent, about the extraordinary circumstances behind her collection. Emily Fisher Landau was the wife of a New York property developer called Martin Fisher, who was a hugely successful property developer and very prominent and made a lot of money. And in the 1960s, he uh, bought her a lot of jewellery. And these were very, very nice pieces of jewellery with diamonds and sapphires and, and one enormous diamond ring. Anyway, one day she goes out to lunch in the spring of 1969 and a crew of armed robbers disguised as air conditioning repairmen break into the apartment. They tie up the cook and the maid and it looks like an inside job because they seem to know where the safe was but they they get to the safe they lever it off the floor uh, and they carry it away with them and so there goes all her jewels there's an insurance payout of a million dollars and her husband says well you should have the insurance because these were your jewels and so she suddenly had this fund and just at that time she was sort of getting interested in art and so she goes on this huge art buying spree her daughter said to me that she said a million dollars may not sound like very much nowadays, but it was in those days. Now, I think it probably still sounds like quite a lot of money. But she went on to collect all these famous sort of artists, Rothko, Franz Klein, Matisse. It really is an amazing story from start to finish. And you can read the full wild tale at thetimes.co.uk. Now, Elon Musk can be a polarizing figure. He's the owner of Tesla and the social media platform X. He's really out of the news, but often he's under fire for edgy comments and posts. And now he's under fire again after he made these comments at an event in Los Angeles. China has the, the, their, their policy has been to, to um, sort of reunite Taiwan with China. Uh, from this standpoint, you know, maybe it's analogous to like Hawaii or, or something like that. Like an integral part of China that is arbitrarily not part of China, um, mostly because of the, the U.S. Uh, stopped has been, the U.S. specifically has stopped uh, any any sort of um, reunification effort force. Joining us on the World in Ten is the Times China correspondent Richard Spencer. Richard, could you tell us about the response by Taiwan to these comments? Uh, Taiwan's pretty angry. Whether they saw the full comments, which he's kind of makes it fairly clear that he's presenting the Chinese position rather than saying it's his own position. Uh, but they're pretty angry. The uh, foreign minister uh, of Taiwan put out a statement saying, um, what about the ban on Twitter in China? Uh, don't you care about that? Saying Taiwan is not for sale. Uh, Taiwan is not part of China and so on. Uh, regardless of whether... Musk says these comments were more nuanced. There's a bit of a history between Musk and Taiwan in the past. Yeah, um, he gave an interview to the Financial Times a year ago where he mused that perhaps Taiwan should, you know, accept some sort of Hong Kong type status, a special administrative zone uh, of China uh, as a way of preventing war breaking out. Of course, that's fiercely resisted by Taiwan. And, you know, a lot of people in Hong Kong seeing what's happened to the uh, supposed uh, one country, two systems approach that was supposed to be in place in Hong Kong uh, would say that Taiwan would be crazy to get involved in any such thing. 
Of course, Musk does is a controversialist. He just likes to spout off. But of course, there is another uh, side there, which of course is he has a very large Tesla manufacturing plant in China, getting on well with uh, China is very important to his business. And there's been another controversy this week involving Musk, which involves the Starlink satellite internet service. That was made uh, free for use by uh, Ukraine, um, by Musk. And of course, so they were delighted. And that meant that in areas of the front line where there was no signal, they could use it for communications. uh, Absolutely vital. Um, the, The story in this biography was that the Ukrainian army wanted him to extend its use to the, to Crimea, uh, where it didn't have coverage, for a planned naval attack on on uh, attack on Russian naval targets in Crimea, um, and he refused to extend it, saying um, rather bizarrely, he said he was afraid it might trigger a major war. Uh, so that revelation that only re- was only revealed this week, and he confirmed it. He said that he had made that decision not to extend Starlink. Uh, and of course, has come under a lot of criticism for that. Um, you know, he has also made controversial comments about how he had a peace plan to end the war that would involve um, Ukraine giving up Crimea to, to Russia. So he's also come under fire for that. He's a controversialist and uh, he likes saying controversial things. Richard, thank you. That's a pleasure. now since California legalised recreational cannabis. But while it is legal, there is still a black market and campaigners say that illegal sellers have the edge because they don't pay tax like legitimate businesses. Plus, they say regulatory costs are too high. And one of the solutions to that could be Amsterdam-style cannabis cafes. The Dutch city is well known for coffee shops where you sit and smoke or enjoy edibles with a drink and friends. Now, heavyweight boxer Mike Tyson has actually opened his own coffee shop in Amsterdam and was in the city this week doing a meet and greet. And the new Californian bill would hope to create the same kind of cafes, the same kind of venues, allowing cannabis dispensaries to also sell food, non-alcoholic beverages and host live performances. And it's now with Gavin Newsom, the governor, for approval. Matt Haney, the San Francisco Assembly member who wrote the bill, said that legal sales of cannabis reached $4 billion in 2020, but black market sales were estimated at more than $8 billion. The hope is that it would boost the legitimate cannabis sellers and economy and bring in tax revenue too. Plus, it could be great for small businesses and small venues. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. There's much more from the World in 10 tomorrow.